The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. Good to be back with you, James. Hope Vegas was fun. And congrats to you and all my Wisconsin brethren on the Milwaukee Bucks title. I'm a little surprised you are with us today. You're able to do the show. Although I've never <laughs> I've never known you to whiff on your duties. Um, yeah, no, I... I I partied pretty hard uh, after game five or during game five, but uh, game six, I just watched at home with, with my wife and the dog. I, I wanted to really kind of live in the moment and I wanted <laughs> to be really productive today. So um, yeah, yeah I, it's I'm really, like a, really stoked. Starting a new era, you move into a new home, you got a dog and now you got a Bucks ring. I'm happy for yeah. you guys. I um, thought I was thinking last night about uh, my childhood best friend Nathan in Arcanum, Ohio. It was randomly a Bucks guy. Like he had a Vin Baker poster on his wall. Um, so I was thinking of Nathan today. But Vin, uh, Vin Baker is a Vin Baker is an assistant coach on this team. He's a, oh, he's is he? I didn't know that. Yeah. Bucks fans far and wide, and, and across the United States and across the world. Frankly, how was Vegas for you, James? Oh, it was a, a blast. Uh, ate a lot of good food. Just chilled out. Um, recharged the batteries. It was a lot of fun. That's great. And you made my life easy covering the draft, even though you were, you know, away on vacation. You made things easy with your work you did ahead of time. Notes going up real time for every pick, uh, pick by pick analysis. I thought the coverage was fantastic. Henry Davis was the first pick. We'll kind of go through a few of these. Also, you have your updated top 400 on the site we'll talk about. But um, any major surprises, anything that you would label a surprise in the, the early rounds this year? Um, you know, I, I think the big surprise probably for me, just based on how much I like him, was just that Khalil Watson fell to 16. Uh, he's my 
third or my uh, third ranked prospect from this class for dynasty. So the third best guy I, and a guy that I had ranked first ahead of the draft um, falling to 16, I thought was surprising. And I think uh, a lot of those teams that passed on him are, are going to regret that one. But uh, I, I kind of thought that this was going to be a weird draft. Um, there's just, it's such a bad class that beauty was really going to be in the eye of the beholder. And these teams are going to, um, you know, they were going to be looking to cut deals, especially with the, the top guys. And um, there just really wasn't going to be much of a consensus. It was, it wasn't going to be chalky uh, just because like, you know, everyone sort of had the same top seven or eight guys uh, on their real life rankings. You know, if you looked at like baseball America or, or MLB pipeline or anything like that. It was usually like the same seven or eight guys, but then uh, I think there was a lot of room for disagreement, stark disagreement um, outside of that. So uh, yeah, it was not chalky at all, but, um, and then, you know, we had two of the better prep hitters from the entire class uh, not sign um, or, you know, kind of pull out or, basically tell teams they weren't going to sign uh, in Peyton Stovall, who would have been a borderline top 100 guy. Will Taylor also would have been a borderline top 100 guy. So losing those two guys from an already really weak class, uh, I didn't really see that coming uh, just because I thought the money would be there for guys like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun to kind of watch unfold. I was hoping Khalil Watson would fall one more pick to the Reds at 17. There must be some signability questions with Watts, and I, I'd heard some rumors about that. He hasn't actually signed yet, has he? No, but I think he signs. I, I kind of – honestly, I think it was more um, – you had, you had a lot of these – I think a lot of the teams that passed on him basically had deals with other players already in place and just weren't going to – zig away from that plan just because he fell into their lap, which I think was a mistake. But I also just think like him being five, nine, uh, there's still a, a big time bias against shorter players, uh, regardless of position. So, um, I think he's going to sign. Like I, I, I think the Marlins are way too sharp, uh, to take him. Um, if there was a chance he wasn't going to sign, I think it was just maybe a combination of factors and, you know, like Jordan Lawler, I think, was more of a signability risk than Watson. Um, hmm. And I, I think that that's one to watch. Uh, I, I assume he's going to sign. But, um, you know, I, I think it was more just like, you know, three or four teams really screwed up by passing on him. And three or four teams were just like, look, we want this college guy. We're going to get him under slot. That's going to allow us to get this other guy that we want later. Um, and just that combination of factors just led to him falling. I know there was some general surprise at Frank Mazzucato going at seven to Kansas City. I was surprised that Detroit passed on Marcelo Mayer when he was still there and took Jackson Job. It seemed like they'd kind of zeroed in on Job. They liked him a lot. But that just seems like kind of a microcosm of the problems there with Detroit. <laughs> like, shouldn't – I don't know. Maybe they should have pivoted. Maybe they had something worked out with Job already, but – uh, when my air was still there at three, I think you you should take that position player. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I just, I think you're right. I think they did have something worked out with Job. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, if you, you know, obviously for Dynasty, we're going to be much lower on Job. But I mean, Job was the most talented pitcher in the entire class. He's just, he's a prep righty, so there's a lot of risk there. Um, I could see why any team would fall in love with him and want to bring him in on a underslot deal. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, of course, I think you, you take uh, take a guy like Meyer there. I mean, it's just much safer. Um, but I wasn't surprised. I mean, there was so much smoke about the Tigers being connected to Job before the draft that 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 one kind of seemed locked in already. So Meyer is your top ranked prospect on the updated top 400 from this draft draft class. Uh, you can easily see the up down arrows along with the plus icons to let you know where a guy is slotting in. And he slots in at 36. Uh, second behind him in this class is Henry Davis, the number one pick. How do you think Pittsburgh did following up Henry Davis at one? I think they just absolutely crushed it. Um, I mean, that, that was a really nice plan that they had in place uh, to take. I mean, you get the best college hitter in the entire draft at one and you get him for uh, almost 2 million under slot that allows you to get three of the most talented high school players in the class with your next three picks. And that's just, I mean, that just worked out perfectly. Like they didn't like Henry Davis, there was a case for him to be the number one player in this class anyways, especially for real life. And to get him on such an underslot deal at one and allowing yourself to get, you know, like Lonnie white and Anthony Solomito are first round caliber talents. And they get both those guys in addition to Davis uh, I just think it was just a perfect plan. They executed it very well. Um, and this, like I was updating all the team top 20s, uh, finished doing that this morning. Man, dude, the pirate system is just absolutely stacked right now. Uh, they are building a monster on the farm there. Um, they've got 24 guys inside my top 400. They've got another, like, 15 to 20 guys who I think you could argue should be in the top 400. So uh, the pirates are really building something that that could be, you know, incredibly special, like five years from now. Hey, good for them. And that fan base, they need something. Maybe they'll follow a path similar to like the Astros a few years ago. They were just so bad, but then maybe they'll build a contender, a sustainable contender for, for years to come. You know, the Reds had three picks on day one. I was, pretty underwhelmed. <laughs> I try not to be a pessimist, but the Reds are just trying to put me in an early grave here, James. The way they've come out of the break, I thought the first day of uh, their draft was a little underwhelming. I know one of the guys was kind of described as like Nick Madrigal light. Maybe that was Matt McClain. Um, uh, I guess Jay <clears throat> Allen could be something. I, you know, actually I like, I liked McClain. Um, I had I have him ranked eighth from this draft for fantasy. Um, like I like McLean more than I like Colton Kowser or Sal Freelich, who the Orioles Orioles took Kowser at five. My Brewers took Freelich at fifteen. I I would have taken McLean over both those guys. Um, you know, I the the Madrigal comp. It's kind of lazy, really. Uh, I you people shouldn't get compared to Nick Madrigal because Nick Madrigal is such a he's such kind of like a unicorn in terms of just his size and his skill set 
like his strengths are just almost impossible to duplicate. Like there just aren't guys that make contact at that type of clip. Uh, and then his lack of power um, with that hit tool, it's just so, it's such a rare combination. Um, whereas I think McLean is more kind of, you know, sort of your, your standard, like could be a leadoff hitter, could be a number two hitter. Uh, I think, I think there's a bit more pop in there than I think he gets credit for. Like, I think he is a pretty good bet, especially in that ballpark to be a 15 plus Homer guy, uh, which you obviously wouldn't say about Madrigal. Um, and he's, he's got more speed than Madrigal. Like, I think he's got a higher, uh, stolen base upside than, than Madrigal does. So, um, and he's, and he's not going to have that type of 80 grade hit tool that the Madrigal has. So, um, I, I think McLean is, you know, in a, in a normal draft class, I wouldn't be very excited about him, but in this draft class, just given how weak the college crop of hitters were getting an up the middle guy like that, uh, who's going to do a little bit of everything. I thought that was a really solid pick by the Reds. That's good to hear. I, uh, yeah, that wasn't the only lazy comp that night. But I do have to say, <laughs> Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo were actually kind of fighting the comps, and it was kind of like a thing on the broadcast. It was kind of oh, funny. well, yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> those You're, those guys who aren't the draft experts, I, I'm sure, like Reynolds or they um, love Cam Singer or whoever, like they're they're just obsessed with comps, right? Mm-hmm. And like all the like hardcore scouting guys. Hate Push comps. back, so, yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, like that—that that would have been probably pretty funny to watch. It's kind of funny to see that because, like, you know, they have to, they have to kind of put up with it every draft. But it was kind of funny seeing Callis kind of push back <laughs> on it. Um, Kumar Rocker, John Leiter, you kind of alluded to this before the draft, but they slot in back to back. Really, kind of a toss-up for you, it seems like between these two arms. Um, Leiter going ahead of Rocker, Rocker falling to the Mets at, at I think ten was it overall. Yep. And uh yeah, it's you still like Rocker a little bit more, but um for you it's very neck and neck with these two. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that uh they won't stay that close in the rankings in the coming year. I mean, you know, one of them will separate themselves, but uh I think Rocker, I think that that was a really nice landing spot for him in New York. Uh, and I think he's just, I think he's just got a higher ceiling than lighter. I think lighter is about as safe as you get as a, as a college starter in terms of just being like a number three starter in the majors. Um, the best fastball in this class, not necessarily from a velocity standpoint, but from a movement and command standpoint, but, um, you know, I just I don't know if there's much more there in terms of like there being a second true plus pitch with lighter. Whereas with Rocker, when he's going well, uh, the fastball and the slider are, are double plus pitches. And, and it's just a matter of developing that third pitch. And if if the Mets can do that, then I think he could be a frontline guy. So, you know, Rocker's riskier. Both guys are plenty risky just by being pitching prospects. But uh, I think I would take Rocker over Lighter just slightly because of the upset. Did the Mets already say that Rocker is not going to pitch anywhere this year? Just going to. Uh, I think I maybe I maybe saw that. I mean that 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 was you should never expect like yeah. especially a guy who goes deep into the College World Series like that. Um, That's I mean, probably smart just, of the Mets. I mean, 
Oh yeah. Take it easy on the kid. Yeah. Yeah. You, you shut that guy down. You just let him rest. Um, get him back up throwing, maybe follow the instructs or something like that. But, um, you know, I think lighter, I actually have, so I have rocker once about a head of lighter, but I think I put a 2022 ETA on lighter and a 2023 ETA on rocker. And that, mm-hmm. so that kind of gives you the, like lighter is going to be very quick to the majors. If he stays healthy, there's just, there's not a ton for him to get better at. He's, he's really, there's like no projection remaining basically with him. Whereas rocker, uh, you might have to wait a little longer, but it could be really special. Nice. Well, before we move on, let's throw to a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now we are back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. We're looking at his updated top 400 prospect list, which includes this year's draftees. Rotowire.com slash pod for a 10-day trial. And James, I hadn't heard of this kid, you know, 10 days ago, <laughs> outside of maybe what you had told us. But uh, And it was just watching him for a couple minutes. But I thought Colson Montgomery came off really well in his uh, post-draft interview. He just seemed like he had the cool factor, like 70-grade yeah. cool. Hell yeah. Uh, I think I he's actually, a nice pick by the White Sox. Yeah, I, I slotted him in 11th in this class, and uh, he went 22nd. So um, I don't think he should have fallen that far. I think he's got just a beautiful swing that's really – uh, already built for power. I think he's going to be a plus power guy. And the White Sox had a good draft. I, usually, usually I don't like what the White Sox do. Um, like taking Jared Kelly last year, I was not a fan of at all. But uh, they also got Wes Koff, uh at pick 57, who's uh, a power hitting third baseman, a prep guy that, that I'm pretty into. So I, I think the White Sox did a really nice job. Montgomery, I believe is just outside the top 100, but uh, he's probably going to play. Um, he's probably going to play in some some rookie level games this summer. And, and if he hits, I mean, the rankings here for first year player drafts. I know some people, some people have probably already done their first year player drafts. Some people draft like right after the draft. Um, but I I think these rankings are really going to be. Uh, fluid, uh, especially when we see some of these prep guys get out there and and just sort of see just how much they can hit. Very nice, man. Well, I'm not a 
prospect, but I did just see this note coming across the wire recently about Alex Kirilov. Do you see that? No. Uh, I believe he's graduated already, but he's going to be yeah. having wrist surgery. So that's a big oh, bummer geez. for yeah, season-ending wrist surgery for Kirilov. That's, that sucks. But, yeah, he's uh, – I don't see him on your list, so he must have graduated. Um, Will Bedner, brother of David Bedner, right? And uh, mm-hmm. Will going to San Francisco. I know you've liked what San Francisco has been building. Do you think Will Bedner is uh, another nice piece on top of everything else for the Giants? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a perfect fit, uh, player and team. Um, you know, Bedner and Bedner could be kind of right there with with Jack Leiter in terms of being a, a quick guy to the majors. He really helped himself, obviously, in the College World Series. Uh, was the most outstanding player, I believe, and um, you know he he's got a really nice uh, fastball slider combo and. The the Giants are really up there. I mean, it, it's kind of the Giants, Cleveland. Um, you know, if you're just kind of saying which teams like do you want a pitching prospect to to get drafted by, I think it is. It's probably Cleveland and the Giants. Uh, you know, you could say like a team like the Dodgers. They obviously know what they're doing. Um, maybe the Brewers, but like the Dodgers are just always going to be really crowded that there's, there's some kind of like extra relief risk there. If you just can't crack that top five. Uh, so, you know, I think Bednar, I mean, we, we've seen what the giants have already done with like a guy like Kyle Harrison, who's, who's obviously a prep guy, different type of pitcher, but um, they're, they're just really good at developing um, all players, but, but pitchers as well. Well, we, before we move on to the risers and fallers, non 2021 draftees edition, Anything else you want to mention on the the draft class where these guys are slotting in? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think only eight guys cracked my top one hundred, and I just you know be careful out there. It's not a good draft class, so you know I, I think in a lot of first year player drafts, it's usually a combination of you can take those first year player guys. Or you can just take the best prospect who wasn't kept, who was taken in a previous draft or signed internationally or whatever. Like I could see myself using like if I have five first year player draft picks, I might only use one or two of them on guys from this this draft class. Like I'm, I might be just going after prospects that just got thrown back or didn't get didn't get added before a roster's locked or anything like that. So uh, it's just it's not a good year to have a high pick in a first year player draft. Hopefully. Maybe that that storyline can kind of change this summer if, if some of these guys go out and really surprise us. But, um, you know, one of the worst classes for fantasy uh, that I've seen since I've been doing this. Uh, so that's a bummer. But, you know, it's, there's still a few guys, and diamonds in the rough will emerge in time. But yep. it's just, you know, it takes, what, at least two years before you can even start to evaluate the class. But a 2020 draftee, Tyler Soderstrom's a, a double green arrow up guy for you on the latest prospect update, James. He's up to 16th overall, so he'd be the, the number two catching prospect behind Adley Rutschman. And uh, you're getting pretty excited about what you've seen from Soderstrom. Yeah, I mean, I I was too low on him, I think, pre-draft. But, I, I mean, I knew that that could be a possibility. Uh just, you know, with, with any kind of 
prep catcher, uh, you know, any prep hitter, really, there's going to be just kind of an unknown about how much they're actually going to hit. Although Soderstrom really had been getting rave reviews for a while. Uh, you throw in the, you know, trying to get better at catcher. Sometimes guys take that with them to the plate and just don't really perform. Um, but Soderstrom, I think he's hitting enough right now at low A that I I just don't see him uh, debuting as a catcher. Like, I think he's going to move to, you know, left field, right field, first base, third base, some one of the corners, and they're just going to get his bat into the majors as soon as they can because, uh, I mean, he could be just a really, really special hitter. And, I mean, he's got one of the sweetest swings in all the minors. Uh, it's just beautiful, beautiful to watch him hit. And, you know, this is kind of a – he's a very, very different hitter than like Bryce Harper, but like, you don't, you don't take a guy that's that special at hitting and force him to to catch. Uh, there's just too much that could go wrong. So, um, I mean, it might be different if Soderstrom was already just this awesome defensive catcher, uh, you know, like Buster Posey, Buster Posey was never going to get moved off catcher because he was just too good there. But, um, you know, Soderstrom's a below average catcher right now. He's already playing a little bit of first base. So, um, you know, I'm ranking him inside the top 20 just because I think the bat is really going to play, and I think it's going to force the A's to move him off of the position. Pedro Leone just got bumped up to AAA, I saw. Now he's up to 18 on your prospect list here. 23 years old, and uh, looks like he's gotten off to a pretty nice start at AAA. I was just looking to confirm. It was only one game, so <laughs> Um, I was getting out ahead of myself, but two walks and a hit in that one game. Uh, but good for him yeah. getting the bump up to Sugarland. Yeah, and I think I think context is important here with Leon. Um, I know some people have just kind of been like, "Are you really like that impressed by what he's done this year?" Uh, I I'm kind of throwing out like to me like spring training, uh, like the first month or so of the season. Like he was really getting up to speed um, in terms of just adjusting to stateside pitching. He hadn't been playing uh, competitively in a long time. Um, like I think it was like two years between when he last played and when he actually signed with the the Astros. Uh, and the pandemic obviously didn't help matters. So um, Leon, uh, you know, since June he's hitting three hundred, four twenty three, five forty. Uh, walking almost 15% of the time, striking out just under 25% of the time. Um, but the big thing with him, like I think strikeouts will be there. Like he, he's probably going to strike out a decent amount at AAA. But uh, the power and speed is, I think it's just getting undersold. I think people don't fully realize just how high this guy's ceiling is for fantasy. Uh, he's at least a plus runner. And he's still improving as a base dealer. He he's got some work to do there, but he he's attempting a ton of steals at least, which is nice. And he's just got he's got a ton of power to the pull side, which if you think about in in Houston, uh, the Crawford boxes, like he's just gonna just gonna wear those out. And I mean, he could be a thirty thirty guy. Like he he could be just really really awesome for fantasy. Uh, can play center field, can play shortstop, two positions that are kind of unclaimed uh, beyond this year for Houston. So 
shouldn't be easy for, or shouldn't be hard for him to break through with the big league club. And I mean, we might even see him up uh, this year, like mm. him and Bobby Witt and like Nick Prado, like all got promoted from double A AA to triple A, like within a day or two of each other. And like, this is kind of when you, you move your guy that is maybe in the mix, you move him up to triple A now. Um, you still got a couple months left see how he does and i think you know any of those guys could could force the issue here down the stretch so uh it's not stashing season i don't think um at least in like 15 team mixed leagues but um would not be surprised if leon was heard from later this year maybe in september yeah that was going to be my follow-up because uh, when i was doing the show on mlb network radio with todd last week i said you know i felt maybe the Jaron Durans of the world, maybe the last wave, but maybe not. Maybe, I mean, the the Royals are, are awful, so I don't know if they'll want to start Witt's clock. Maybe not, but Leon, it's interesting that you think there's there's a chance that he could uh, jump another level yet. James, I got some bad news for you. According to uh, Mark Topkin, the Tampa Bay Times, the Rays sent Fidel Brujan down, so I want to apologize to you. Because I went out and spent for him in the main. Um, I was on fab duty that week, and I we needed some bags. It's not really that big of a surprise that he was sent down, but um, I, I would was hoping I would he'd stick around. I would demand apologies from you and from Todd Whitestone, who scooped him in one of our leagues. Um, <laughs> but I can't I can't demand those apologies because I was. Uh, I was MIA, I think, for the weeks where you guys added him. So, I mean, that's just my bad for not being uh, the voice of reason there. But I mean, um, I didn't go too crazy, but I probably spent seventy or so on him. But yeah, um, sorry. Yeah, I, uh, I know you like Vidal Bruhan, but not so much necessarily the stint in the majors. Where's Bruhan slotting in on your list nowadays? By the way, let me see here. Sorry, my internet. Uh, Seventeen. 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 Okay. He's he's actually right in between Satterstrom and Leon. I gotcha. Well, tell us a little bit, James, if you would, about Jose Miranda. He's uh, got the two green arrows up. Minnesota third baseman. Um, what's got him climbing so high? Yeah. So Miranda um, was a guy who back in like 2017, uh, like the off season after 2017. Uh, was flirting with like the top 200 uh, because I just loved the contact skills that he was showing in the lower levels. And, you know, he was getting to a little bit of power then. Uh, this was kind of in, uh, I want to say like the Appy League and low A. And so this was a guy that I, I used to be really high on. I mean, no one was ranking Miranda back then. So like just the fact that I even had him around 200, like that was a, a pretty big, vote of confidence for him <clears throat> but then he goes to high a double a 2018 2019 um you know he, he's always made contact at an excellent clip but you know he wasn't walking a ton he wasn't hitting for much power uh, then we have the pandemic obviously just kind of out of sight out of mind um but this year he got assigned to double A as a 23-year-old, and he did exactly what you're supposed to do as a 23-year-old at double A. He destroyed it, uh, 345, 408, 588, with 13 homers and 47 games. 
And then he gets the bump up to AAA, and he's been even better at AAA. Uh, you know, similar slash line, uh, even more power. Uh, he's walking more, uh, striking out a little bit more, but still, you know, a, an elite strikeout rate for a 23-year-old at AAA who's doing as much damage as he's doing. And I was actually texting with our, our buddy Chris Welsh about uh, Miranda earlier today. Um, like these guys that go to double A and then to triple A and destroy both levels at age appropriate, um, you know, being age appropriate for double A, triple A, those guys that do that in the span of like two to three months, uh, that's usually a pretty big sign that something's happening here. And um, I kind of compared it a little bit to like Trent Grisham in 2019. Um, very different types of players. Miranda's not going to be a, a threat with, you know, with seals at all. But, um, you know, going to double A, dominating in your first taste of double A, and then going right up to triple A and not skipping a beat um, when you're 23, uh, that's that's big. And usually there's some growing pains there. Uh, but Miranda's just been raking. Um, you know, if the Twins were to find a taker for Josh Donaldson or something like that, I think we could see him this year. But at the very least, Miranda is going to be a big part of uh, the Twins in 2020, uh, 2022. Very nice. Now, Mason Wynn in the Cardinals organization, you may look at the numbers, James, and I say you, but I mean me. Uh, look at it, you know, kind of underwhelming, 777 OPS. But kids 19 at a full season affiliate. That low A and running quite a bit, sixteen bags. I can see why why you're uh, bumping him up, even though the numbers may not jump out off the page at a glance. Yeah, I mean, and and the context is big here too because um, you'll recall, like prior to last year's draft, um, I said like Mason Wynn would be, you know, one of my five or ten favorite players in the entire draft if I knew that he was going to be developed as a shortstop because he was a two-way guy and some teams liked him even better as a pitcher but the cardinals have sent him out as a shortstop and the strikeout rates are is, is better than i would have thought um you know a lot of guys his age and with his experience uh would have opened in rookie ball the cardinals sent him to, to low a and you know he could have been worse than he's been to this point and would have stayed in like the top 150 but he's been uh, 16% better in league average. He's walking a ton. There's a lot more power in there than he's shown so far. Like, I mean, this is a guy with, with big time power speed potential. Uh, the power is going to probably show up last, but uh, just the fact that he's showing this type of approach at low A and that they're not messing around with the two-way stuff uh, just has me really excited about what's in store for win. Tanner Houck's inside your top 100 and – making waves at the big league level right now. Did you add any Tanner Houck in your fantasy leagues in recent weeks? I did. I, I He was a priority ad for me uh, this past Sunday. I scooped him up in TGFBI, I believe. Um, He's got the Yankees tomorrow. So. Yeah, I, I'm not starting him this week. It's <laughs> a it's a spec. You know, it's a spec ad, right? Like, I think the stuff is really good. He's been really good. Uh, but he hasn't been asked to pitch and handle a true stars workload uh, in the majors yet this season. Um, but he's a guy that I really liked 
um, like at the end of last season, just sort of digging in what he did. Um, I mean, the slider is, is ridiculous. The, the sinker is ridiculous. And I think he could be a difference maker down the stretch, especially with if you're dealing with uh, injuries to your pitching staff. Um, the matchups might not always be pretty. Like he's got the Yankees this week. He's got the Blue Jays next week. So you might not feel great about starting him in either of those, but um, I think that, you know, I think he's got the Tigers the week after that. So that, that could be pretty juicy. What about Jake Berger? This is a guy who, did he not like hurt his, did he like hurt his Achilles in like a home he, accident or something? Well, he, he hurt his Achilles multiple times. Like he had to have multiple Achilles oh, surgeries. Um, that sucks, but. And it's just, it's such a good story that we're even talking about him. Like, (laughs) there really, there wouldn't have been any shame in that kind of ending his pro career, basically, because he missed so much time. Like he, it's like he missed three whole years. Yeah, he did. According to that log, yeah, and he only played like he only played fifty-one games in twenty seventeen, and then didn't play at all until this year. I mean, I'm sure he was playing in some games somewhere, but not like games that were tracked. And he shows up at Triple A. Uh, was was awesome there, uh, hitting for power, hitting for average. Um, he's in the majors right now. I mean, the strikeouts are, are worth watching, and he is 25. But I mean, the context—he's a really young 25 from a developmental standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, you can almost think of him as like a 22, 23 year old, just in terms of how many reps he's had, um, and. Yeah, I think it's. I think there might be something there with Jake Berger. He's hitting the ball hard. Uh, he's not inside my top 100, so I'm not like all in. But like, I added him in a, in a deep uh, mixed league where I was hurting at third base, uh, just to kind of see what happens. I think it's worth exploring. That is a tremendous story. Good for Jake Berger. That's uh, unimaginable almost that he hadn't played a competitive game, an organized game of baseball. In yeah, like three years before this year, now he's tearing it up at the big league level. Only twelve games, but that is really impressive. And yeah, it looks like the second tear of the Achilles was the one at home. So he tore it in February of 2018, then retore in May of that year. So that's quite a quite a thing to come back from for Jake Berger. Now, James, I want to talk a little bit about rookie level performances that have. Uh, caught some attention. I've noticed one name, Ortega's been kind of making the rounds here and there on Twitter, and I think our buddy Ian Khan was talking about him. Uh, but before we get into specific players, is there something or some things you look for specifically <coughs> at the rookie levels that kind of tip you off one way or another or that you put more stock into down there? Yeah, I think it's just worth uh, going over just kind of the, the basics there just for people that are doing this at home. Um, like, so we have the the Florida and the Arizona Complex Leagues going on right now. We also have the Dominican Summer League going on right now. Uh, that's it. There's no more Pioneer League. There's no more Appy League or New York Penn League. Um, so it's just the, those complex leagues. And then the, the next move up is to low A. Um and so I, I think it's important to like talk about like what's age appropriate for those rookie levels. Uh, Dominican Summer League, 17 years of, of age is, is the age appropriate. 
um, for the DSL. So, um, and I know some people just poo poo looking at DSL stats, regardless of how old the guy is. Uh, I, I disagree with that. I think that as long as you're uh, using context, um, it can be valuable and, and it's more of like, a it's more of like a checkpoint, right? Like a 17 year old who's destroying the DSL, that doesn't mean that player is awesome, but it does mean that that player is doing what they're supposed to do. Like you're not supposed to go to the DSL and suck. Like you're not supposed to go there. You know, even if you strike out, like if you go there and you strike out like 25, 30% of the time, that's a pretty big red flag. Like you're supposed to go there and really tear it up. And if you're 18 and you're there, you're really supposed to tear it up. Um, so the guys that actually go there and, and do what they're supposed to do, it's like, okay, they're on course, right? So you can kind of get excited. Um, with the complex leagues, age appropriate is kind of like 18. Um, maybe you're a young 19 and it just kind of makes sense. Like your experience dictates that that's where you go. But like, if you see a, an older 19 year old or 20 year old tearing it up in the complex leagues, um, that basically doesn't mean anything to me. Um, you want it to be a guy who's 17 or 18, ideally, and a guy that's got a ton of pedigree, uh, like Reginald Preciado with the Cubs, who's the headliner in that you Darvish trade. Perfect example, right? Like he should be in the, the complex league. He's age appropriate. He's got a ton of pedigree and he's dominating. So like, that's, that's a big sign that he could be the talk of the Arizona complex league this summer. Um, kind of same thing with like Errol Vera of the angels. Um, Victor Acosta is a guy who's, who's doing really well in the, the DSL who I'm, I'm tracking right now. Uh, shortstop that the Padres signed this past winter. Um, but yeah, like I think it's just important to think about like what's a guy's pedigree? Was this someone that we were excited about before the season? <clears throat> and then how old are they? Um, like how much damage are they doing? Like there's a lot that you got to factor in. You shouldn't just be looking at the leaderboard and saying, oh, wow, this guy's like leading the Arizona Complex League in homers. He must be really good. If he's like 20 years old, it just doesn't matter. Like Alexander Canario. Um, like if he's tearing it up in the complex league, uh, and he's a year older and everybody, it just doesn't really matter. I caught, I want to say 95% of that, but there was a little internet issue. So sorry if you guys got any of that on your end, but it seems like we cut out for a brief second, but thank you for uh, explaining all that, James. And Averson Ortega mentioned earlier and uh our buddy tim on twitter wanted to know your thoughts a little bit about him he's been making some noise and he's in the complex league slashing 373 448 780 uh, six home runs in only 17 games so catching your eye there ortega yeah i added him to the rankings um I tried to see if, if Welsh had gotten eyes on him yet. He hasn't. Uh, I couldn't find any good video of him from this year. Uh, so I, I don't, I'm not like all in on him or anything yet. But he was a notable guy in 2019. He was one of their notable J2 signees. Um, he didn't really pop for me on the video back then. Uh, like I, I liked Anthony Rodriguez more, and I still have Anthony Rodriguez ranked ahead of him. 
but he does have pedigree. He's got good size. He's you know he's got the type of size that you want to see in a teenager in, in the complex level. So um, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And you know you you kind of have to jump on these guys. You have to add them, especially in deeper leagues. Like you can't really wait around to get a big sample size here because you know like I'm sure like Errol Vera is already already rostered. Preciado is long gone. I mean he was rostered coming into the year. Jose Salas is rostered probably. Um, so if you if you think this is real with Artiego, or maybe you, you think it could be real, uh, now's the time to jump. Like you don't want to wait until I throw him inside my top 150. Like if that happens, he's probably going to be rostered by then. I'm kind of taking a more patient approach with him just because I wasn't that in on him coming into the year. But he will be scooped up in your league if he's not already, especially with like Ian talking about him. So. Um, I think it's it's interesting. It's worth tracking, uh, but he's he's still outside my top two hundred for now. Errol Vera, I love that name. It sounds like aloe. Sounds like aloe vera. Um, any other? <laughs> that was horrible. But no, any of these other rookie level guys you want to well, mention? I did. I did want to just mention, um, and he wasn't there for long, uh, but. Everson Pereira with the Yankees was a big, he was a big deal when he signed in um, 2017, I want to say. And he really struggled in 2018. He struggled again in 2019. And, you know, we hadn't seen him in over a year. He got sent to the, the complex league and he did exactly what a 20 year old in the complex league is supposed to do. He forced a promotion after like three games. And now he's at low A, um, you know, he's 20, but he's a young 20 and 20, I think is fine for low A ideally you're, you're 19, but I mean, just given his background, like that's where he's supposed to be right now is, is low A and he's tearing it up. And I just noticed, uh, that he's available in a lot of my dynasty leagues right now. Um, so he's probably out there in, in some of yours, he's just outside my top 200, but you know, with like two more weeks of, of strong production, he could be inside my top like 150. Uh, there's a ton of fluidity. And we said this before, but like once you get outside the top 100, one top 125 or so, it doesn't take much for a guy to move from like 200 to 120. Um, like if a guy just goes nuts for a couple of weeks, that that's really all it takes. And you know, we have to be reacting quickly on guys like this. We don't we don't have the time to sit around and wait for all the stuff to stabilize. Um, and and Pereira's got tools. Uh, he's got a pretty swing. He's not as he's not as speedy as he was when he signed. I think it's going to be more of kind of a four category thing. But uh, the Yankees have really been churning out the pop up guys this year. Kevin Alcantara is getting a lot of love, um, rightfully so. And Anthony Volpe, obviously. Um, you know, they've, they've had a lot of guys really kind of blow up on the position player side. Not a guy ranked on your list anymore, but a little bit of a blast from the past, although he's just finally kind of getting his run in the majors. But Jared Oliva, six for his last 14 after just singling today. So uh, opportunity seems to be there, but not a guy you're particularly high on anymore, it seems. Um, yeah, he, he's 20. He's He's almost 26. Um, yeah. He'd been pretty bad. I mean, his season numbers are still not good. Um, mm. 
but I mean, he's got opportunity and he's got speed. So if you're looking for steals, uh, definitely a name to keep in mind. Yeah, I think I still have him in the Maki league that Derek Van Riper runs. So I was actually thinking about either activating him or cutting him loose. Well, I'll probably activate him, see, see if he can give me a few bags over the rest of the way. Uh, anybody else you want to mention here, James, on your updated top 400 or lower-level guys that you want to mention? Uh no, I mean, just go check out the article, check out the top 400. Uh, all the team top 20s are updated. Um, they'll be getting a more sort of thorough sweep um, over the next, like, three or four weeks. But all the top 20s are updated. All the, like, OBP arrows are updated. All the ETAs are updated. All the year signs are updated so you can sort it however you want using those filters on the top 400. So um, should be a lot there. I mean, you should definitely be using the my road, my rotowire feature so that you can see who's available very quickly in all your leagues. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's all set. And then uh, over the next week or so, I'll be working on the updated dynasty rankings. Um, I already know that those are incredibly out of date and uh, the, the top 400 prospect rankings are a labor of love. The dynasty rankings are a labor of necessity, I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I, I hate those as soon as they go live and I, I hate them even more like a week later. And mm -hmm. now that they're like over a month old, they just, they look terrible. Uh, but, uh, those will be getting, uh, those will be getting a facelift here in, in about a week, uh, before the trade deadline. Nice. We had a dynasty question in the chat about trout. I'm wondering how, how far you should reach for trout. Maybe two top 60 prospects, maybe three. I would say, yeah, at least two. Although he's going to be a really tough guy to evaluate <clears throat> for next year and beyond because the injuries are really adding up. I'm looking at that question want, right now. I still um, think you want at least like one top 20 prospect and then another top. 41 probably oh yeah man you gotta you gotta get more than that um i mean i would it's just you know i i know that he's older and you're you're not competing but uh you, you know i i would say either hold him like if, if you think that's the best you can do right now i would just hold him until he's healthy and like it's not like trout's gonna not be awesome when he when he's healthy um but i mean sure, i yeah. Like I, I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade Trout for Wander Franco straight up. I wouldn't trade Trout for Jared mm. Kalanick straight up, even if you're rebuilding. Like Trout's just too good, and um, and I, I wouldn't even necessarily be focused on just prospects. I'd be looking at young big leaguers. Like, um, you know, can you get like Ozzy Albies and Cody Bellinger or something like that? Um, like I would, I would be, I'd be shooting much higher than, than what he said. And if that's not out there, just wait till he's healthy. Um, like healthy trout is going to get you a ton um, by someone that's trying to win your league. So uh, do not, do not sell him for just a couple prospects who could be good. Um, you gotta, you gotta really get more than that. And I also agree with him that he, uh, he mentions that we should have a super mega baseball three Twitch stream with our buddies at Fangraphs. Maybe we'll sync up a sport and figure something like that out. 
Well, James, walk up tracks. Time to draft our latest. Uh, do you want to go first this week? Yeah, man. Uh, this one, you know, you could you might roll your eyes. This is a this is technically a no limit album, mm. but it's a it's a Snoop Dogg no limit album. Um, and the the track is "Bitch Please" Snoop Dogg featuring Exhibit and Nate Dogg. Uh, I, I remember and, and it's uh, Dr. Dre on the beat, and I want the track to come in sort of at the end when Nate Dogg's just kind of crooning um, down the stretch of the track. I think that that would be uh, something that would really get me get me hyped in the box. Was that off No Limits Top Dog or the yeah, to yep. be sold, not to be told? <laughs> no, those the... are two different. Those are two different albums. So oh, I know. First, the first no one, Limit Top game... Dog, and then right. Game is to be sold. Yeah, Separate. and I mean Last Meal, I think is a classic album, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I No Limit though. No yeah. Limit Top Dog is not a classic album, but I like that I like that track a lot. I, I think I first heard that. I bought like you know those source mixtapes you could buy? Yeah, I had a couple hip hop hits, I think. Yeah, I, it was like a source something, and that was just one of the tracks in there. I was like, Man, this this is fire. And then I think I bought the album and I was like, Oh, the rest of this album sucks. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember Dre having many produced songs on those no no limit records of Snoops. That's interesting. I just know that, you know, in addition to doggy style. The game is to be sold, not to be told. Another one of the all-time classic covers. You know, well, and, just, and a classic, classic title too. Yeah, that cover though, and how yeah. they the, the plastic rings on the CDs. I just love that. Um, well, I've been hinting for a while that I may mix in a non-hip hop song, and that's what I'm doing this week, James. I'm going down this road. A track from one of the great TV shows of all time, Better Call Saul. Chris Joss, I had to look this up on my phone to figure out exactly what it was called. Chris Joss, Tune Down. It's the name All of the right. song. I described it on Twitter a few years ago as Big Mike Ehrmantraut Energy. It's just kind of who I am distilled down. Like I'm not anywhere as cool as this little funky line, but I feel like that's, this uh, the song kind of encapsulates who I am uh, deep down. So. Uh, Better Call Saul, one of the best shows this side of The Sopranos. I finished my second rewatch, by the way, of The Sopranos. Uh, yeah, I know. I know Dan was calling for more, uh, more Sopranos talk, more robe talk. Um, <laughs> well, I don't have much to share, but maybe when I start the third rewatch, <laughs> well, sure maybe I can. Maybe I can talk my wife into rewatching it, and and I can tell you about. Um, the coolest thing that we saw uh, the past week. But. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe figuring out something new to watch. I really enjoyed the new season of I Think You Should Leave. I thought that was hilarious. And I guess, I, I guess I've guess i never seen The Wire, so maybe I'll finally have to just buckle down and watch oh, The geez. Wire from start to finish. Yeah, you got you to gotta remedy that. I mean, I yeah. know that it, it, you know, you, got, you got a lot on your plate with the Def Jam Bandetta and everything, but... Um, <laughs> If you could find time, I think the wire would be worth it. My my internet was out the other day, and so I had to hook up Def Jam Vendetta. Hell yeah. Uh, actually, it holds up incredibly well. I'd <laughs> be shocked, I think. Even though the roster is a little lighter than I remembered. It's like Ghost, Method Man, Capone, Noriega. Then it gets a little thin. I guess Scarface, too, but 
For some reason I had in my head that there were more classic rappers in that game. Well, James, anything else on your mind today, man? No, man, that should, that should cover it. Well, we appreciate the insight as always. We appreciate you guys watching and hope you'll join us next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.